Come celebrate the WB National Sport Pastime along with the Droods, Voldemort, and that nun from the Devils, Space Jam. Stay tuned. Good day and welcome to Writers Get Animated, a podcast about animation, storytelling, and basketball. I'm Chris Leva. And I'm Mackenzie Worrell. And today we are talking about Space Jam, colon, A New Legacy. And little, little hints, little hints of the original Space Jam. But you didn't have to watch that for your homework. For your homework, you only had to watch Space Jam, A New Legacy. That was that just premiered in theaters and on HBO Max. Going into it, I was wondering why they didn't call it Space Jam 2, colon, A New Legacy. And then watching it, I think I still have that question. <laughs> I, I, we talk I, about I'm... dramaturgy on this podcast sometimes. <laughs> and I, there's many things I want to say right off the bat. Because you're, if you're just tuning in, like I have positive things to say about this movie. I liked it. Um, but dramaturgically, the movie pretends that the first Space Jam movie both didn't happen and couldn't have happened, but also that the Looney Tunes have played basketball before. Right. It it tries to have it both ways. <laughs> yeah, it does. It, it says in the wor- world of the movie, the first movie didn't happen, but the audience knows but the tunes know that we know that it did. Yeah, but they don't even pretend that it's like a movie within a movie. It's not like there was a movie in the 90s starring Michael Jordan where they did Space Jam in the movie. Right. It just was a thing that possibly, I don't know. So for, for those of you who may not know what Space Jam colon A New Legacy is. We are going to talk through this film. We're going to talk about it in the first part, which is the spoiler-free zone, which we usually talk about with these movies um, that are recent releases. So if you're wondering, should I see Space Jam colon A New Legacy? What is it about? Um, And our non-spoiler takes on it. You can hang out for this part then jettison yourself off to a movie theater or uh, your couch and watch the film or not watch the film based on your feelings. Then we will transition to a spoiler area, so spoiler zone, and we will give you plenty of warnings when we hit that area, so that way you won't be spoiled if you haven't seen the film and would like to. Though, here's my thing. I think, even though you may know what happens in something, you aren't going to be spoiled by it because it's not really the plot that's exciting. It's about the experience that's exciting. So even though you may know some details about things, that doesn't make things less exciting. But that's just me. Yeah, I mean, I guess it's fair. It's... I mean, ultimately, it's a comedy movie. Like, what's what brings joy in this original are the jokes. It's not like the plot of um, not even just Space Jam: Colon New Legacy, but like really any comedy movie is something you'd be spoiled on. Like, if you get the setup, you can guess where it's going to end. Right, especially a sports comedy movie. I feel like we know where it's headed. We don't know how it's headed there. We don't know what roads it will take. But we do know where it's going. Yeah. There's only so many ways that a sports comedy can end. Right. Maybe we should talk about that at some point. Without giving any spoilers, like the three options are they find the ability within themselves all along to win the game. Mm. Or they lose and realize it was never about the game. Or they choose not to win for sentimental reasons. Spoilers for the original Mighty Ducks, the movie Rocky, and what? <laughs> Rudy, the Water Boy, baby. I don't know. Any sports movie. 
<laughs> you're, Except you're I, Tanya. <laughs> oh, yeah, that, that one goes a little bit different. That's less of a sports movie and more of a... I guess it's not a comedy. That's why I can break the rule. Yeah, there you go. I mean, it's our kind rules, of funny. Our rules still work. <laughs> Yay. <laughs> We're off the rails now, buddy. <laughs> so let's talk about it. In, in, a, in a world where people don't know about this, could you give us a little bit about what is Space Jam, A New Legacy, about? I'll do you one better. I can tell you what both Ooh. Space Jam movies are about using the same description. Oh, nice. I'm here I don't for think that. it's that hard of a challenge. Um, any Space Jam movie <laughs> is about um, a like nationally, internationally recognized basketball star who's having some kind of personal challenge in his life and through uh, science or magic is drawn into a world where he must play a game teaming up with the least professional people in the world, the Looney Tunes, in order to beat a competing team so that both the Looney Tunes can go back to doing what they do best and that the sports star can go back to doing what he does best, which is play the sport and overcoming his personal challenge. And the tone is kind of like, if you're not an animation fan, you're listening to this because you're a basketball fan, I guess I would go with Harlem Globetrotters-esque, where it's not really about the rules of the game, uh, but it's about how you do the game. Not knowing anything about basketball, that sounded very wise, but maybe it's complete nonsense. <laughs> No, I think I think Harlem Globetrotters is a massive, massively good distinction to grab because it is about um, silliness and tricks and like the drama of the game and not necessarily the rules of how things are supposed to work in the game of basketball. And I mean, if if you want to go watch the Harlem Globetrotters episode of Futurama, you're, you're basically watching a 20 minute Space Jam without, you know, a, a basketball hero. Yeah. I mean, that is no offense to the Space Jam franchise. The Futurama episode is perhaps the best Space Jam content. <laughs> So what what themes do we get in Space Jam: A New Legacy? Like what what are we we're working with LeBron James? I suppose we can say in this one, uh, as opposed to um, Michael Jordan. Maybe this is just me not knowing things, but is LeBron James sports royalty, or is he actually royalty in some other way? Uh, I think that he is sports royalty, but he's risen to a level of fame that transcends just being sports famous. Mm. But he's not like literally a king. That's what I figured. He's from. I Africa. figured it was a metaphorical King James. Mm -hmm. But everyone said it to him, and I was just like. Everyone's just like, he's just okay here and being called King James. Maybe I would be just fine if everyone was like King, King Leva. Like, <laughs> oh, yeah. That, no, well, that doesn't feel right. Perhaps the King James part is a, a sports famous thing that hasn't transcended beyond the sport, unlike just the name LeBron James. Okay. I feel like I was vaguely aware, but maybe that's just, I don't know, the Ohio seeping in. I don't know. <laughs> So LeBron James um, is going to be involved with the Looney Tunes through basketball. Science or magic. A, science or magic into a basketball game. And what, what are the themes that we get in this film? <laughs> well, I, I think that there's, it's like the collision of two kinds of, themes that happen with the two very different main characters you get because of course you have a sports hero so you're gonna get like sports movie themes mm. 
um, which are more serious aphorisms that can apply to life and just make good little wisdom nuggets. Um, like LeBron worked hard his entire life and had to give up distractions according to the plot of the movie. Um, I don't know if that's real or not. Probably to a certain degree, either. yes. I, I want to know if it's true. I want to know that. He seems like a fun guy. I feel like if he if he did drive himself to uh, work hard to the point of having no fun, he's overcome that before he made this movie because making this movie is a choice to have fun. Mm. Um, but so, yeah, you got like LeBron uh, within the movie <laughs> having worked hard right. his entire life to do basketball and giving up all fun and distraction and trying to connect with his sons um one of which seems to have grokked that same idea and the other which is um in, in like an 80s way like not living life the way that his dad wants him to and his dad lebron can't quite see that and come to terms with that uh because it just seems like fun distraction to lebron not hard work so mm-hmm. lebron's challenge of like overcoming his own blocker of not wanting to have fun uh to both be better in his own life and be a better dad. That's the sports stuff. And then with Looney Tunes and animation, of course, the message is like, it's okay to be a weirdo. Right. Be, You're not going to have LeBron learn that lesson in that same way. I think that they're two sides of the same coin, but yeah, the Looney Tunes are like, be weird, be crazy, be loony, if you will. Mm-hmm. So, and I think we're not really saying anything that is a spoiler at this point. The Looney Tunes are loony and weird and kooky. <laughs> and LeBron, as a sports hero, works hard. <laughs> so we're still in the spoiler-free zone. Um, I think we also get some of these ideas of the villain who's who's involved. Um Don Cheadle, not himself, Don Cheadle, but like Don, played by Don Cheadle, um, as the algorithm, algae rhythm. Uh, what? What? What was that reaction? <laughs> My face that our listeners didn't see is just. If you think you learned something about technology in this movie, you didn't. You learned something about magic. Don Cheadle's great. I, I think that the the role he plays as the villain is fine. It's just like how they describe anything tech is absolute techno babble nonsense. It's the magic that we need to get LeBron in the game. Yeah, in, in the world of Space Jam: Cola New Legacy, technology is magic. Got it. It contains universes that live on their own when the power's turned off and. An algorithm is more artificial intelligence. It's not an algorithm. And uh, this magical scanning technology that takes personalities and puts it into a video game. Slow down, slow down, slow down. <laughs> you're, you're throwing people into the deep end. I know, I know, I know. <laughs> it's not important. Just know, like, yeah, an algorithm is there. Algorithm is there and um, pulls LeBron into a world in the computer to play basketball. And that's what we get from the trailer. I mean, it, it's a bit more complicated. We'll get into that when we end up in the spoiler zone, but that's, that's where we are. And there's a problem that LeBron is having, which you don't really get the full extent of it from the trailers, which is interesting um, because I think they're trying to sell you on LeBron and Looney Tunes and basketball. And basketball. That's it. Space Jam. And so I think that's another theme of the movie, both in the text and meta, meta around the text, meta textually, um, is nostalgia. Hmm. Like, yeah, the trailer's selling you on a sports star, Looney Tunes, and basketball. But is that what this movie is? Was that ever what Space Jam was? And then also within the movie itself, there's just lots of nostalgia, both characters feeling nostalgic, LeBron for his own childhood and Bugs for whatever loony things they used to get up to. And then how they present the world of the server versus a lot of things that are not at their peak now. 
Yeah. I feel like if we say more, I feel like we'll end up in in spoiler, in the spoiler verse, um, (laughs) which I think we should start calling it that now. Um, But is there anything that we need to say to folks who are about to peace out and say whether they want to watch it or not before we end up getting into big, big, big spoilers? Um, If you have the opportunity to watch this movie and you're hesitant, um, you should watch it. Yeah. Yeah, there's good stuff. There's gems. Um, Don't expect, like, a life-changing masterpiece of art that is full of uh, wisdom and twists and turns and drama. Uh, It's not that movie. It's a sports comedy. It's okay. Mm -hmm. Enjoy it. And that's the thing. I think it does want to be enjoyed. And it does want to have, it does want to go both ways. It does want to be something from the 90s. And it does want to be something from today. Like it wants to give you what you got from the 90s. And then it's it wants to give you some a little bit more meat. But not much more because Looney Tunes, LeBron James, and basketball. Like that's... Yeah. And a yeah. formula. Yeah, exactly. So I would say watch it. You'll you'll be you'll you'll enjoy yourself. So now I'm gonna I'm gonna press Command Shift X seven and send us into the the spoiler verse. I don't know. That's how that seems like a good key command to get us into the spoiler verse. So So stop listening now. If you haven't seen the movie and you don't want to know what happens, stop, pause, come back, your app will pick up where you left off later. Don't worry. We'll be here. Perfect. Now, to get into this, I I want to talk about, you, you brought up nostalgia. And I believe that nostalgia is a big, big thing in, I mean, besides money, is going to, a big, big reason to make uh, another Space Jam movie. Um, Space Jam hits a very specific time, hits a very specific vein. You know, in 1996, we were getting hip hop versions of the Looney Tunes on shirts and t-shirts, you know, uh, sweatshirts, baseball hats, like Tweety looking rugged and, you know, Sylvester in like sports gear and the Spike Lee commercials with Michael Jordan and and doing Nike commercials for the Super Bowl, which, you know, Space Jam was just the feature-length version of a Nike commercial starring Mm -hmm. Michael Jordan. Um, But they, they sort of understood that. However, they, I don't know if they subliminally did this, but they ended up making a 90s movie plot trope out, out of this movie. And, and what they did instead of the first movie, which is Michael Jordan gives up basketball, goes to play baseball, and like second guesses himself and has to relearn about who he truly is. He's he's a base basketball player. He should just go back to what he's good at. Um, instead of that, which is a very personal self-discovery issue, um, Space Jam, A New Legacy takes on a family approach. This is a family comedy. This is about LeBron and his relationship to his sons, a family. And in, in that sense, it's a totally 1990s bad dad transformation movie where the dad could be doing better. I'm not saying LeBron is a bad dad. I'm just in saying the world like, of the movie. He is in the world of the movie, the bad dad trope of a dad who doesn't understand his kids in a fundamental way and is having like a rough time understanding their kids or being there for their kids emotionally. Um, and here's my list of some of these 1990s bad dad transformation movies so you could see where I'm coming from. 
you get the Santa Claus. And the transformation is a big part of this. So Santa Claus, Tim Allen, bad dad, working too hard, not really following his kid, has a bad attitude, transforms into Santa Claus, becomes a better person and a better dad. Liar, liar. Bad dad, always lies, lawyer, suddenly transforms into somebody who cannot lie, who must tell the truth, becomes a better dad in the process. Ghost dad, I feel like we are like the one podcast who is keeping ghost dad references alive. Probably. So I feel like we have one a year. But ghost dad, a bad dad who does who's not there for his kids, transforms into a dead person, <laughs> becomes a better dad because of that. Now, does uh, he die in Ghost Dad or does he transform he, into a dead person? <laughs> he dies. He dies. Okay. That was my euphemism for dying. <laughs> and to keep with the transformation, um, Mrs. Doubtfire, a bad dad who's not really there for his kids, doesn't understand other people, really selfish in his own way, transforms into a Scottish woman, not like <laughs> technically, but, you know, he dresses up becomes a better dad, more understanding person in the process. I will also add, this is not necessarily a comedy, but I will also add the film Face Off. John Travolta, bad dad, you know, trying, like grieving over his lost son, unable to live life with the people who are still alive around him, transforms into Nicolas Cage, Learns how to be a better dad and <laughs> comes back as John Travolta. I'd watch that comedy movie. Like <laughs> I think, today. I think they remade could, it with the same actors. I think if you re-edit Face Off, you could probably... It's like four jokes away from being a comedy movie. <laughs> but, but, and here's, here's, here's where we land. But then there's Hook. Hook... I believe is the film that is like a, another uh, an, it's it one that takes the plot most from. I'm not saying they copied Hook. Mm -hmm. I'm saying if you if you think about Hook just on the ground level, you can see, oh, this is how the villain works. So Hook, you have a bad dad who's not there for his kids gets taken to a faraway, possibly imagined world by a villain who wants to coax that hero to do his bidding and through the course of the movie forces the son to choose sides and tries to actually turn the son into his image and take over the son and put the son on his side and then beat the hero further. Are we talking about Hook or Star Wars? We are. Oh, nice. <laughs> nice. Uh, we are talking about Hook and Space Jam, A New Legacy. <laughs> in this episode. <laughs> that doesn't sound right. So, movie, uh, 1990s Bad Dad Transformation movie with 2020s sensibilities? Question mark. Yeah, it kind of throws in, like making a video game and like being on the phone, it kind of puts the, the, the trappings of this bad dad trope within a modern context, um, in a very aspirational context because they're at the LeBron compound in LA or the LeBron yeah. family compound, James family compound. Yes. I got there eventually, <laughs> uh, which is great. They're living a great life in LA. And if I too could live in LA in that lifestyle, I would, uh, but that's not the life of an animation fan. It's not. Um, or apparently an animator. But um, I do think that, I do want to say this, the bad dad that LeBron enacts or embodies in the film is not nearly the bad dad from before. He is a present dad. He's there. He's working with his kids. He's kind to them. He's speaking to them. He's trying to build them up. He's trying to help them do better. And it's not 
usually in the 90s, the bad dads are people who are not there for their kids mm-hmm. or they're rude or they're mean to everyone else who's not their kid. And they're just toxic people. And I don't believe that LeBron is a bad dad in that sense. I think it's just that trope of the dad who needs to learn a lesson to do better. Yeah, he wants the best for his son, and they agree on that. But it's what is best that the the details where they disagree of like what is good for this kid. Mm-hmm. Also, I don't think LeBron would agree to a movie where he's a full on bad dad. I agree. <laughs> I agree. But I mean, that's but that's the trope. It's like the the trope is of, and I use bad dad, and I you know that I hate bad dad tropes yeah. or like terrible father or like more than ghost dad that comes up on this podcast (laughs) right so i i'm really glad that it's it's maybe not bad dad but dad who is missing something you know i think that's what that's where we are here with lebron it's like a dad who's missing something obvious because he's he's blinded by his own um his own rules. I, and I think that application of his rules on his son's life is where it starts to break a little bit. It's a little bit of like, not just learning the lesson about the rules for himself and his life. It's just learning that those rules don't apply to everyone and don't work in the modern day as much either, because like he's pretty successful and having a good time. Like he's not having a bad time in his personal life. Mm-hmm. other than like being a dad uh, but like he's successful he's getting pitched at the movie studio the WB studio I don't know why I had to be generic at WB <laughs> um, about doing this project and he's confident he knows that it's not for him um, it's not a problem of his morals or like a fault of him as a character Yeah, I think a bad dad would have said yes yeah, for all the wrong reasons. Right. Like to prove, like, there's no future in this for you, son. Look, an algorithm can do it. What's What do you bring to the table that's special in programming this game? Mm-hmm. There's a different movie. Maybe not better, but it's a different movie. Also, I just want to side note that I love that the whole crux of this is just the plot of the 30 Rock episode Seinfeld Vision. Which, Tell if you're not familiar with 30 Rock, uh, Tina Fey's, um, I don't know what to call it, um, pop culture oeuvre of the 2000s. Um, there's an episode where the corporate executive of NBC is trying to pitch Jerry Seinfeld on his new product, which just digitally edits Jerry Seinfeld into a bunch of their existing properties to boost their value by getting people to watch because Jerry Seinfeld's in it, even though it's not really him and he used to do no work. And Jerry Seinfeld comes in and shuts it down because it's a bad idea. And what they want to do with LeBron is the same thing. We want to scan LeBron and put you into all of our WB properties to boost the value of these properties and get people to come see them. It's just Seinfeld Vision, the Space Jam movie. And that's all I could think about the entire time. (laughs) But then he says no, because, I mean, that is a bad idea. Yeah. It is horrifying to see that, like... And I do, what's interesting is they're doing, they're doing that. Like it, they're both mocking <laughs> yes. it and doing it. I mean, they're not putting LeBron in like Harry Potter, like they threaten in the little mock-up video thing. Um, so yeah, like they're doing it for this one property in real life, in the real world. Um, they're putting him in a Space Jam movie, but they're not putting LeBron in like everything. Well, they they put him in like a, the outfit. Yeah, like they so they're they're dipping their toe in the water with it. But look, the problem with Harry Potter is not that it doesn't have enough LeBron in it. Are you sure? No, I guess now that you bring it up, I'm not sure. I'm not positive about that. <laughs> it could be better with LeBron. And, you know, I, I will say I was pleasantly surprised um, 
with LeBron's acting chops. Yes. Yeah. I think that he reacted well to characters who weren't there <laughs> in person. Um, he conveyed honest emotion and was convincing. Uh, it's just... I was also delighted to see that Sonequa Martin-Green was in this movie, but I was sad to see that Sonequa Martin-Green could act circles around LeBron, even doing a pretty good job for a sports star. Mm. Like, at the pause, like, at, at first, it's like, oh, that's sweet. He put his family in this movie. Like, what a great idea. And I was like, that's not LeBron's real family. That's Captain Michael Burnham <laughs> from Star Trek Discovery. <laughs> <laughs> like, what is going on? No, okay. It's a fake family. Okay, we can say things without insulting his family because it's a fake family doing a fake plot of fake LeBron. Cool. It's the idea of LeBron James, really, when it comes down to it. I mean, and that's okay. Like, I mean, obviously the first Space Jam was a fake Michael Jordan. It was about the character Michael Jordan, not real life Michael Jordan. Right. Because even as a kid seeing the 90s, I was like, wow, they really made fun of his baseball career. They went there. Um, but it's the character. It's not the person. Right. You have to go there. Now, does LeBron's son really want to be a, a programmer instead of a basketball player? I don't know. Shrugging emoji. Maybe. I wish him all the luck in the world if he does. Does LeBron have a son? I That sounds right. Okay. He does have two sons. Okay, so it is like molded after his real life family, kind of. Yes. At least in the factual sense. My wife was... Googling and everything as she was watching. She's like, is this, is this how, how does this work? Is this real? Is this not real? And I was just trying to figure out where things were headed. Yeah, I, I didn't Google, but it wasn't until I saw Sonequa that I was like, this isn't real. <laughs> I do wonder, this is, you know, as a, as a writer, when you're taking this property of, Looney Tunes and LeBron James, and you're trying to mold this into a give give it a strong enough reason for LeBron to have to play basketball and to give stakes that are big enough to have to play this basketball game. You know, I, I think in this one they gave uh, really good comparison-wise <laughs> stakes for LeBron, the character, to need to play this game. And and I also really, in all the trailers, I was like, what is this basketball game that they're playing? Like, why is it all light up? And to find out that he's being forced to play the video game that his son created um, is just even more character stuff and feels right. Yeah, I agree that the the stakes are there and they raise the stakes halfway through even maybe multiple times in a way that is good character motivation and dramaturgically sound. Is it still a contrived silly reason to have a basketball game? Yes, absolutely. But How could it not be, though? How could it not be? <laughs> I know, but emotionally, emotionally, I feel like I'm, I'm more behind the basketball game in this one. Yeah. Like, I, I didn't question. I was like, oh, they're going to play basketball. Because Algae Rhythm's whole impetus is to show LeBron that he's wrong. And the only thing way you could do that is to humiliate him at the thing that he's good at. Mm -hmm. And if he could also do that with his son and like taking over like his taking uh, a family member from him, like that's another that's another way to to break him. I mean, that being said, while well, I'm emotionally behind it, I don't understand what Algae Rhythm's plan was before he discovered the son had the basketball video game. Because like they agree to do the game before he discovers that fact and gets a team. I think, well, here's the thing. I think that <laughs> all he knew was he was going to humiliate LeBron James at a basketball game. Mm. And he would use whatever was at his disposal. 
But then he's he just found this out, and that just makes it even better. It's like, oh, well, I had this one plan, but now I could, you know, stamp even further on it. This is going to be even better of a takedown. I won't just beat him at basketball. I'll, like, hit him where it counts. And as an extra bonus, we're going to rapture, like, half of LeBron's fans into the server and pretend the yeah. world keeps on going, and they're all going to die if he loses. Or, like, other people who are just, like, <laughs> casually interested in this thing that popped up on their phone. Those poor folk. <laughs> Whereas if we raptured every fan of Raiders Get Animated for a basketball game, we'd have 24 people in those stands. <laughs> yeah, and they'd be like, now we're stuck here if you guys don't win this basketball game? <laughs> I've never been more regretful to like a podcast in my life. <laughs> you guys said you were going to be talking about what at a Frozen 2, and now, now I'm stuck at a basketball game. Also, I'm trying to imagine the story where you and I are forced to play a basketball game against an algorithm, and how would that come up? See, these are the questions. These are the questions that you have to hit as a writer. <laughs> I feel like every writer has to solve the basketball game question. How does the basketball game happen? Are you about to teach like a, a class, like a writing class? I feel like we should. I feel like that would be some, I mean, I, we'd have to figure out the answer first, but like, I think that would be, it's it's the basketball game question. Like, how do you get this character and this character, how do you get them in the game? And how do you get the game to matter? Yeah. I think know, that's I, the, the second question is the harder one. In the writing school, it's about the practicalities of being a writer, not about the idealistic world of being a writer and having your own ideas. You're assigned the topic of writing a Space Jam movie. How do you make it matter? Go. Right. You have to get a you have to get a sports player. Ideally, a basketball player, at least one. I, didn't I feel like they try to do like other ones, like Skate Jam and Golf Jam or other things? Oh yeah, the canceled spinoffs. Yeah. yeah. But that's neither here nor there. Getting into the game and making the game matter, I feel like this one they did better in Space Jam A New Legacy. Yeah, it sounds like in our spoiler section here, hot take, we're coming down the side of Space Jam colon New Legacy is the better Space Jam. There's one thing. Uh-oh. That I feel like, and this is where we're getting into our differences between the two. I feel like there's one thing that I was slightly disappointed by. It makes sense dramaturgically why it happens, but in this, Le when LeBron goes to the world of the Looney Tunes, LeBron James gets animated and he becomes an animated character. And in the original, it's Michael Jordan interacting with animated characters. This could just be my Roger Rabbit bias coming into play. You know, I enjoyed Roger Rabbit more before it was bonkers on TV where even the human characters are animated because that doesn't make sense anymore. So part of me is like, well, that's the easier way. Now LeBron can show really good acting even more because now the animators are acting for LeBron. I mean, not he also voice acted. Oh, I know. I'm not saying he didn't. I'm just saying, like, that's one of the big differences that I was disappointed by is that interaction. It happened later on when everyone was CG, but I'm like, everyone's acting with CG characters now anyway. Like, I want, I want the 2D Looney Tunes hmm. to be interacting a little bit more. There's a, a lot, a lot in this movie that like runs the gamut of like brilliant random choice to like, why did the studio mandate this to like, <laughs> that's so stupid. I'm just going to lean into the curve and enjoy that the, the clockwork orange droogs are here for some reason. <laughs> yeah, I was, those stands, man. 
those what <laughs> I can't I can't start a sentence about this. I'm just trying to like why are we in that server verse? Like I I get it, but I also it feels like trying to do the Lego movie without like the plot of the Lego movie. Or just any of the big movies these days with the most ambitious crossover ever. Um and like I get the emotionally nostalgically driven like idea behind that. I think that's this the the lizard nerd brain part of me <laughs> that's like, yes, I want to see that. But also, mm-hmm. are we dramaturgically saying that like all of these characters from the WB serververse are the bad guys because they're rooting for the bad guys? Are the Animaniacs villains here? Were they rooting for the bad guys? I mean, I got the impression that the humans were on one side because they're rooting to live. <laughs> and that the servers was on the other side rooting for the villain team. Because it's from the algorithm? Hmm. Does he control everybody or just... Yeah. Because Jim Carrey's the mask character... Yes. Was rooting for the other side, which, I mean, I understand that the mask comes from the god of mischief, Loki. I mean, not that Loki, but like a Loki. <laughs> like Matt Correct. Damon in View Askewiverse, Loki. Right. Yeah. It's definitely a variant of Loki who created this mask. <laughs> and anyway, wow, I'm having a hard time. Maybe there's just too many. There are too many multiverses. You got to pat Oswalt like everything together now. Oh. But I always thought of him as a good character. Yes, he makes some terrible, malicious choices. In, I mean, if everyone from, like, yeah, the Animaniacs are there, um, a lot of the classic, like, Hanna-Barbera animation stuff is there. It's like the Scooby-Doo gang runs people down with their van to be at the good seats in time. I don't know. Right. Uh, but they're also all <laughs> CG animated. And then all the... So the traditionally animated Warner Brothers properties are all CG animated. But then all the live action Warner Brothers properties are just extras in Spirit Halloween costumes. And I'm not going to lie. I missed parts of Space Jam New Legacy. Sorry, Space Jam colon New Legacy. Um, (laughs) Because I was distracted trying to like pick out all the Easter eggs in the crowd at various points. And my favorite, which I shared before this, is just at one point, you don't see a lot of him... (laughs) But at one point, there's Voldemort in the first row. And you have some people who are just like cheering for the other team and really into it, like the nun behind Don Cheadle a lot of the movie, who's just really into basketball. But someone gave the Voldemort extra the stage direction, like, you're Voldemort, but at a basketball game. He's like holding his wand and like snarling and just like watching the ball go back and forth. He's like not cheering. He's just Voldemort at a basketball game. <laughs> and there's all kinds of great gems in the background if you look for them. There's crazy stuff. <laughs> I love it. It was just stupid enough that I leaned into it. Like, yep, I'm into it. I don't get dramaturgically why these characters are here or who they're rooting for or if they're good or bad. It's lots of existential questions about how they're animated or not. But I'm just going to steer into it. <laughs> I have so many questions. I just have so many questions. I guess while we're on the topic of the crowd, uh, should we also talk about the most brilliant part of this movie? The montage? Of collecting the Looney Tunes? (laughs) Yes. It's like Cameo Plus. I guess there's there's another way of, there's another side of things which is the Looney Tunes are a broken family too. Mm-hmm. Well, I'm not saying two in terms of you know, the James family being broken. I'm saying like the Looney Tunes have a reason to get together as well. Like Bugs has an ulterior motive to helping LeBron James, which I think is super fun. Like Bugs Bunny is being duplicitous in like, yeah, yeah, I'm totally going to help you. But, He's just getting his other thing going. It's like, what is Bugs without an audience? It asked a new interesting question about Bugs and put him in a new situation. I liked it. It It's a good choice. 
And now he has to go find his family on a server versus road trip to all of your favorite properties. Including things like the uh, 90s DC Animated Universe, which this is the best we're going to get for more of that. It was so nice to see that version of Superman, too. As well, I mean. <laughs> I know. I liked it. I liked it. Although, dramaturgically, <laughs> technically, Daffy Duck already crossed over with that universe as Green Lantern at the end of the Duck Dodgers series. Oh, right. So why wasn't he Green Lantern? Right. But, I mean... Do, would you bring up Green Lantern if you were Warner Brothers at this point? Yet? Yes. You would? Everyone should bring up Green Lantern all the time, always. Oh. Including Ryan Reynolds. I mean, he makes fun of it. He brings it up. I feel like, though, if Daffy Duck were Green Lantern, I feel like there would be better... Like, it, it, he would have been able to do more. Than just be super duck. Yeah, than just be super duck in the in the car. And, you know, they were able to. The interesting thing about this montage is you had to do, you know, as little as possible to get them in and get Bugs in and LeBron in, and get them out with the person and convince them to go. Like, you couldn't. But making it funny, too. right? You can't spend a lot of time, and I think Green Lantern would have probably been too much time. Like, it's easy to be like. Oh, I just got caught by Superman. I better go. Yeah, I think that one got like the most time because it's Daffy and Porky. Cool, fun, whatever. Yeah. Porky? I think Porky was there. Too. Yeah, Porky was basically the Jimmy Olsen. Yeah. Version. So that one has to set up like the cadence of what they do and then the rest can just be like one bit visual gags that are still funny. Right. And that works. That's fine. But, I mean, the extended one, the one that shocked me, though, was the Wile E. Coyote one. <laughs> I, spoilers, that's my favorite thing. Uh, <laughs> it's it's the kind of joke that is, like, both 180 degrees away from what you're expecting, mm. but also is 100% exactly accurate in the best possible choice you can make for those characters. <laughs> <laughs> It's like, oh, I was not expecting a Mad Max Fury Road reference in Space Jam colon New Legacy, but also it makes total sense that Coyote and Roadrunner are in this world and Coyote's wearing like the the Mad Max like makeup with the today is a good day to die or whatever. I mean I mean the Roadrunner like Mad Max Roadrunner. Like there's it's not gonna be that far away from like Road Warrior. I know. It's just uh it was so beautiful. Uh, I'm not over it. Whoever came up with that visual gag, like, so many gold stars. You're set for life as a writer. <laughs> it felt like some things were, like, they're like, yeah, that's funny, but that's, like, not as complexly funny as the Fury Red one. Mm. Like, Granity's, Granny's Trinity in the Matrix, like, okay, that's that's funny. It's unexpected, but not in the same way as Fury Road. Because it doesn't put her in a place that feels like it, she's in an unexpected place for that character. Yeah, exactly. It doesn't feel like an unexpected and perfect fit. It's just unexpected and like, why are you here? Right. That's silly. There's an old woman kicking somebody. Yeah. As opposed to like, oh, he would totally be like in the desert <laughs> trying to get the Roadrunner still. It's the right environment. It's the right plot. It's like perhaps on the verge of inappropriate for this movie, but the kids don't have to know. Right. Everything. Yeah. Loved it. Loved it. So many good background Easter eggs in bits. And I knew both times I spotted the Animaniacs. I'm like, ah, oh, Chris must be happy. <laughs> Animaniacs getting recognition. Like, there they are. There they are. I did see somebody on Twitter say, like, release the Animaniacs cut. And I'm like, don't, don't start. <laughs> don't start. Don't tempt Chris like that. <laughs> but what what else about the tunes? Like, I feel like they felt like themselves, but also with problems. You know, I'm not saying, like, they were problematic as characters. I'm saying, like, they felt like 
they if they felt right they felt like the the actual characters um yeah they definitely felt like themselves i think if anything maybe they didn't all get enough screen time like i had to really think like was elmer fudd on this team mm-hmm. i'm pretty sure he was mm-hmm. i think he was in there he was yeah all right because he got the austin powers gag i guess um <laughs> Yeah, they, they felt like themselves. I thought it was interesting that they're allowed to use guns in a movie, but not the new Looney Tunes cartoon TV show. I feel like that's a different thing entirely, though. Is it? Maybe. In movies, guns are okay? I think it's different. They're two different um, groups of sensors, right? Maybe. I don't know. I... I, from our last discussion from however many months ago it was about the Looney Tunes cartoons, you don't need guns in it. Totally fine with that choice. And I was kind of left wondering, like, why did we need the gun jokes in Space Jam? It felt like they didn't actually add anything or do anything. Because they're for the adults. Eh. I'm I sorry. Know. I didn't put enough air quotes vocally into that. <laughs> I was also just... Um, I was trying to look up the makeup of the teams in the different movies. Yeah. And uh, I was, because I'm a big Marvin the Martian fan, I was sad to see him just reduced to like, uh, nobody likes this guy. He's not even like kicked out of the Looney Tunes world. Nobody wants him on the team. Reduced role. Yeah. Um, but Pepe Le Pew is out and Speedy Gonzalez is in. Oh, what nearly 20 years will do. Yeah. Good old Speedy. Yeah, I have no criticism of those choices. It was just, oh, yeah, here's a cultural measurement for where we are. <laughs> I did also appreciate, and I think it has to be brought up as one of our, as we're tidying things up, I feel like Lola Bunny needs to be addressed. Zendaya as Lola? Yes, but also <laughs> the character changes and everything that they did. Um because they totally redesigned her character. By just giving her a shirt that went all the way to her waist? Um, no. Have you looked up Lola Bunny from the 90s? I know that she was too non-rabbit-shaped. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> wow. I feel like that's a good summary. Yeah, yeah. Um I, yeah. I, I'm really behind this, but I'm also I'm also glad that they brought her in in the first movie because she could play basketball and she was actually a good ball player. And I love that they kept that about her um, because it's like, yeah, Lola's the basketball player. Like, that's be you. Like, we're all loony and wild and you're the one who could actually play basketball and I did love that she was trying to be an Amazon like that that sequence was totally there's another one that is not like surprising and unexpected that's like uh, fun and totally expected yeah. but pays off well. it worked well yeah it's kind of like a weird retread of going back to DC a second time in that montage mm-hmm. but it was a good scenario yeah but it worked totally it's like <laughs> Yep, I'm going to be here instead of with Bugs <laughs> and all the crew back home. I'm going to be in Amazon because I work hard. She's the LeBroniest of the um, Looney Tunes. <laughs> that is fair. I guess in that sense, I wish that she and LeBron had had more of an interaction. Mm. Yeah, I would agree with that. They had they had a little bit toward like, hey, we're going to do it this way. But, hmm. Yeah. No, I, I liked her. I didn't realize until like researching for this episode that they invented her for the first Space Jam movie. Yeah. It's like, oh, I just thought Lola had, I mean, not always been around, but been around longer than 1996. Hmm. But okay. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I'm for all the choices they made to make that not as cringeworthy. <laughs> yes, because it was quite cringy. 
also I'm not emotionally invested in the sexual appeal of a cartoon rabbit character. So, you know, healthy adult choices. <laughs> I can distance myself from that making or breaking my life. Some, some people can't, some people can't. <sighs> the internet was a mistake. That's my takeaway. Curse you, Al Gore. Al Gore rhythm. It's kind of hoping that was a reveal, but that's fine. Not everything's Futurama. <laughs> Do you have anything else that we need to say as we wrap up? Um, I think the only other thing that I want to commend this movie on is um, because we've talked about nostalgia so much, uh, how they get bugs involved is really the rabbit season gag and revisiting the rabbit season duck season sketch. That's one of the most famous Looney Tunes bits, like to the point that it's pop culture, I feel, beyond the Looney Tunes. Mm-hmm. Um, and I thought that was a really good physical way to make Bugs talk to LeBron for the first time. Like, oh, you missed your cue. Do this thing. Um, it was a really nice character motivated way to get that going without it just being a conversation. I was like, ah, oh, I wish I could write like that. That's such a brilliant gem. Mm-hmm. I'm stuck trying to like just have characters say like, hi, my name is Mackenzie. Um, it's hard to do character introductions. That was a good one. Yeah. It's it's like mini exposition. Exposition is hard, yeah. especially that first introduction. It's the basketball game problem. Yeah. All right. So we're going to use Space Jam to uh, break down all parts of writing and characterization. Uh, yeah, you can do it. Why not do it? I, if I figure if I figure out an answer why not to do it, then I won't. But it seems like we're doing it. So, Mackenzie, did you have a favorite thing from Space Jam? Oh, uh, a new legacy. Beyond the Fury Road part of the montage, I'm going to go with um, early on. There's a joke of LeBron chatting ball. And having his automated, smart basketball pitching machine thing throw a ball into the middle of the court. And so it becomes a joke <laughs> that at one point, of course, the third time it happens, ball is set accidentally. It hits, I think, one of the sons in the face. It's not done accidentally. It's the, are we, you know, we going to have spaghetti and meatball? And like, uh, he like knows that the other brother's behind him and he says it like. Yeah, you're Yes, you're right. I'm remembering wrong. Uh, yeah, the well-constructed three-part joke. I loved it. I think it even comes back once at the end of the movie, possibly. It does. I yeah. think it does, and it hits hits the um, algae rhythm. Yeah, which think. cool. Your magic <laughs> basketball <laughs> pitching things here too. Why not? <laughs> uh, Chris, did you have a favorite thing? I had. I'm going to say two because I just remembered one last night as I was remembering it. The um, I just want to say as a character, Lil Rel Howery, just anything that he said as the announcer of just like, I just love characters who deconstruct exactly what I'm thinking in the show and just say things about it. And they're there just to be like, this is wild. Like what is even happening to this? And just be that character. I just want to watch every movie that he's in because I just love that type of thing. Uh, and then, but the other thing was just a really quick gag. It's really, it's a really dumb joke, but really on brand, which is when LeBron and Bugs are in the montage and Bugs says, I don't watch much basketball, but we do have TNT. And then he pulls out dynamite. It's like, <laughs> it's like oh, that's really funny. This basketball is on TNT. I get it. Is it on TNT? I don't yeah. know enough about basketball to like, like I thought it was yeah. funny, but I was like, I'm probably missing part of the joke here. Part of the joke is basketball's on TNT. Okay. The channel. And then <laughs> I was like, oh, that's funny. Well, I have learned so much about basketball today against my will that I feel like <laughs> we should talk about homework time. Non-basketball category. <laughs> Let's. Ooh, ah. 
for next time. Uh, we're going to keep talking about nostalgia, so please watch He-Man and the Masters of the Universe Revelation Episodes 1 and 2, available on Netflix. And also watch the first episode of Masters of the Universe from the 80s, uh, your results might vary, either the Diamond Rave Disappearance or the Cosmic Comet or whatever you find. Probably they're all valid. This is probably not a real, like, starting episode. We'll figure it out. Well, what is the production first episode and what is the airing first episode? Just watch an episode of He-Man from the 80s. So we're going from the 90s back to the 80s. We'll see what happens next time after that. Well said. As always, thank you to our engineer, Nigel Catino, and to Jacob Reed and the Champagne Drops for our theme music. You can find us on the web at WG Animated on Twitter and at writersgetanimated.podbean.com for show notes and links to articles and things about this episode. That's all, folks. Mic drop. Very nice. Good night, everybody.